1: Welcome back to The Peripheral. On this week's episode, I speak with Brock, who gets mixed up with drugs and addiction. He takes us through his story, starting out when he first tries drugs, all the way to hitting rock bottom. I was fascinated by his story because during his journey of addiction, he starts buying some of his drugs from Silk Road, the online black market store that resides in the deep web. I also was impressed with this story because you get to hear from beginning to end the story arc of what it's like to be a heroin addict. I feel that it doesn't glamorize drugs, but it's an honest opinion about why people use drugs. So you might hear us joke and laugh a little bit during the episode, but do not let that distract you from the seriousness of what's happening.
0: Are you there? Hey, can you hear me? I can hear
1: you fine. How old were you when you started using drugs and
0: how did that progress? I was really good. I never I never even, when I was younger, I never smoked a cigarette or even tasted beer until I was probably 14, maybe 15. And then uh, one Christmas, I went down to uh, home, which is Illinois. I live in Minnesota now. My cousin was down there, and he always, I wanted to try smoking pot, and I knew he did. So I uh, went out to go smoke, and he ended up, giving me spice, which is, like, synthetic marijuana, if you know about that.
1: Yeah, K2 kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, exactly. It was it was back when K2 was popular, and I didn't know it. I didn't know the difference, and he didn't tell me the difference. And I was basically, like, tripping out and freaking out. And that was my first experience with anything. Yeah, you'd be better was...
1: <laughs> off with regular marijuana at that point.
0: Exactly. And then when I, when I went home, he gave me a little bit, and I smoked that, and then I ended up finding someone in high school to... Uh, in ninth grade to sell me weed and
1: just real quick do you prefer real marijuana or the synthetic stuff
0: oh obviously real marijuana
1: i don't know anyone that prefers the synthetic stuff and i just kind of put that one to, to rest like people think the synthetic stuff is the new bane and i would say yes it is because real marijuana is far less dangerous and far less uh oh. psychoactive and all those oh,
0: things. oh most most definitely i remember when when i was into that synthetic marijuana there was a stretch there for even after I smoked regular marijuana we me and my friends got onto a like a kick of just smoking that synthetic marijuana because our shop just sold it you know like we'd go in there and buy it it was during this point they were doing all these regulations trying to ban it in Minnesota over and over again and every like month we'd go in there you wouldn't know what you're getting because they would ban the previous chemical and they would just change it. Now so I remember one time K3. we went in there. <laughs> yeah, one time we went in there and we we smoked. it sometimes it's even in the same under the same names. So one time we smoked, and all of a sudden you take one hit and you're just freaking out. You know what I mean? Like I've seen people have seizures and stuff. Not the good way to go.
1: It's scary, isn't it?
0: Very, very.
1: <laughs> I I don't personally think marijuana is much of a gateway drug as others. I actually think alcohol and tobacco is a gateway drug, but. Maybe in your I, case, yeah. it might have been a little bit more of a gateway drug for you.
0: The way I look at it, I don't think that marijuana is a gateway drug, especially if it was sanctioned like alcohol. But I, what I think is the gateway for me personally, and I think it's the case for a lot of people, is the black market. The The fact that you like to smoke marijuana and then you're around an, a criminal element because it's illegal. So then somebody you'll be around people offering you pills or you know what I mean?
1: Worse things
0: yeah, I, that's what I think the gateway was for me because when I started smoking, then I stopped smoking the spice and everything. And I was just smoking marijuana and I met all these friends that were older than me. They were in 11th or in 12th grade and I was only in ninth and, uh, I was eating lunch with them and that's where I pretty much all began because I had a friend there and he was an ex pill addict. Josh was the ex pill addict and, um, My friend Gordon was a person that used to be addicted to meth, and he ended up straying away from that, luckily, because that was a really bad time. And he was selling pot, and I was really into pot. I started buying a lot from him. And then one day, we were at school, and Josh was like, Gordon has a bunch of uh, hydrocodone, and I didn't know anything about anything like that. I knew that Josh wasn't going to be doing that because that's one of the things that he used to do a lot. He was addicted to it. And he ended up coming to my house after school, having a few pills in his pocket from Gordon. And I didn't know. I didn't think it was a big deal. I, I didn't know what it was. And he had a few of them. He went to go snort one of them. And I've never seen anyone do anything like that. And he crushed it up on my desk in my room. I watched him do it and I was just like super fascinated. Like I was like, this is it felt weird though, like it felt bad. Like I didn't I've never been around anything like that. And he I was like asking him what's it like and all this and then he he swallowed another one and snorted one. I ended up asking him if I if he'd give me some and he said no because he just basically relapsed, he wasn't gonna give give any away, I guess. Yeah. And I think it was the next day after school, I went and I just got my driver's license like a month before this. And the next day, I asked if he had any. He said yes, and they were really cheap. I think it was four dollars at the time, and they're ten milligram hydrocodone. I bought a few of them. I waited till about eight nine o'clock at night, and I ended up just swallowing two of them, and because that's what he told Josh told me to take. And I found out that that was probably a little too much. And I remember yeah. laying in bed, and all of a sudden it like kicked in, and I stood up to go walk into the bathroom to go pee. And I remember I felt so good. And I remember thinking, oh, this is why people can be addicted to drugs. Because, like, I never understood. I was like, I could do this every day. Like, I love this. It was just a really good experience, but also a really bad experience (laughs) for what was going to come. So then I guess it progressed from there to whenever, just occasionally whenever I could find them.
1: Hold on. It's it's sad, though, that you've never felt this good before. Like it took a drug to get you to that point in something that can destroy your body. But at the same time, I I just, I feel, wow. Like most people never really experience euphoria like this until they try drugs.
0: I think it was almost, I'm not gonna say it was worse for me. Before I ever smoked weed and everything, I was very full of anxiety and I was depressed a lot growing up, and I was very quiet, and I didn't have, I wasn't outgoing at all, I didn't have, like, many friends, you know, I liked to, I was really into Xbox at that time, I was playing Halo 3 and trying to play competitively and stuff, and I just, I was very to myself and shut in, and when I first smoked pot, it made me a little more outgoing, but I was still full of social anxiety and stuff, and I remember when that kicked in, when I took those pills, I remember thinking, this is how I should feel, like, this is how I think ever. like, I felt normal, almost. Now oh, I can talk to people and be like a normal person. Yeah, which isn't a good thing. You shouldn't be doing <laughs> yeah. doing that.
1: So you've you've now taken these pills. You've had your first taste, and now you're buying more and more.
0: Yeah, it wasn't like a addiction right off the bat, or I didn't at least think of it like that. It was just a, occasionally, if people had them, Gordon had a few, I'd do a few recreation. But when, yeah, rec- but when it got a few months later, I ended up meeting this uh girl when it was ended up being my first girlfriend her name was Savannah and she had a prescription for Percocet 5s at the time do you know what Arrowhead is I've
1: heard of it but I don't know
0: it's it's like a it's a website that people go on there there's a bunch of facts about every kind of substance you can imagine and um people put reports called trip reports they'll do their experience with whatever. So you can search meth or heroin or, you know, and, and you can read people's experiences and how much they took in their body weight, And they, they detailed the whole thing. And I remember I was really into reading all these different things. I was interested in different chemicals and I was always reading about oxycodone and I always wanted to try it. But all at that point, all I've tried was hydrocodone. And my first girlfriend, she had this prescription for Percocet's. I think she got like ten a month for, for headaches, I guess. It didn't make very much sense, but she gave a few to me. And I remember that was like almost like my first experience all over again. Like it was just it was great. It was way better and and it progressed more and more. And then I remember her her father got a prescription because he had a stroke and he had all these medical problems. He was a recovering alcoholic. He got a prescription, he got his opt and he had uh 5 milligram Percocets again, but he was getting, I think it was like 190 or something crazy like that. A, a month? month? Yeah, yeah, a month. And it ended up, I used to bring him weed and sell him weed, and we used to hang out. I, was, I really wanted his stuff, you know. He ended up selling me like 30 of them or 40 of them every month. They needed the extra money. They weren't well off or anything. Yeah, because he's
1: paying a, a copay and whatever at the.
0: Yeah, he just gets them for free he through his insurance, you know. So I got into that, and then I was getting bigger amounts <laughs> from him. So I was able to do more and more. Oh, and at that point, when I was dating Savannah and I started getting these pills, this is this is mind blowing to me. How how she thought when I first met her, I was really into pot. Oh, that's totally fine with that. That's fine with that. It's not a big deal with me. And I remember after a few months of dating, area was. I literally just couldn't smoke weed or she would freak out. But, yeah, she would let me do all these (laughs) prescription painkillers.
1: Things that can actually kill you.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. So, but in her mind, I don't know. So at that point, I stopped smoking marijuana completely, and I stopped hanging out with a lot of my friends because that was just a really bad relationship. And it was my first girlfriend, pretty much. And I was just doing a massive amount of pills and secluding myself. It got to where I was doing it pretty much every day. Me and my girlfriend moved in with my cousin. She just she moved up here from Illinois. Her husband worked on the oil rigs in North Dakota, so she was here all alone all the time, and she didn't like it. So I agreed with my mom; she wanted me to stay out there with her. So I went and stayed out there with her. Her name is Kayla, and I always knew that Kayla, growing up, smoked weed. And I she told me she used to do pills. So when we moved in together, she was doing them with me. No one thought that she did anything. At that point I was doing them every single day, me, and my girlfriend and my cousin. We all lived there and that's when it started to get worse and worse. And that was the point where I thought it became an addiction. It became to the point where I wouldn't I'd do it if I was upset or angry or and then I found out that if I didn't do them that I started to feel really crappy.
1: The physical addiction is now taking yeah.
0: hold. <laughs> I'll fast forward the events year or two. Okay. I um I broke up with that girl. She's having sex with my friend. Great relationship, and, um, yeah. <laughs> I think I moved back in with my mother. I was still hanging out with Gordon at this time. I was—I heard something about Silk Road. I don't remember where I heard it from, but it was when it was starting to gain, gain a little popularity. And I remember one day, I used to go to... Uh, I switched over to my high school. I was still in high school, and I switched to a thing called ALC, where you only go one day a week. I remember... Everyone was in school, and I woke up that morning, and I was like, I'm not going to go to school today, and I remember sitting on my laptop, and I wanted to figure out so bad how to use the Silk Road, and I ended up figuring throughout the day I got my Tor browser, and I figured out how how to use everything, and I ended up finding the URL on a form. And I uh, it's not easy. I was,
1: it's not that easy to get to it.
0: <laughs> uh, it wasn't especially back then. I think it is more so now, but especially back then when people were like it wasn't as popular. People were trying to keep it more secretive. So it was really hard to find a URL and stuff, you know, first first
1: rule to. of Silk Road is don't talk about Silk Road. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> I'm breaking the rules, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was so happy that I figured out how to get to it and I created an account and everything. And I just told Gordon and he always had a lot of money selling pot. I wanted to, we wanted to get something off of it, but I had no idea how to even start. It was a a big task to figure all of this out. I'm not bad with computers or anything. I figured out that aspect of it, but the aspect of getting your money into it, I thought it would be easy, but it ended up being a huge hassle. That was the biggest obstacle of all, was getting money into your account online, because you have to use Bitcoin. I actually
1: don't have a clue how to convert my money into Bitcoins or anything like that, so... I'm sure yeah. it's a process. It's not like you go out to Amazon or eBay and can buy drugs. This is a very secure site that has a process to it.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. So I was researching ways of how to buy Bitcoins because I, I was I was hoping I could just use a credit card and buy them, you know, on, on the regular Internet. Yeah. And that's not the case in most cases. I mean, I think there is nowadays. You can do it in a way if you connect your bank account, but especially back then. So I found this website – where you had to send money through a bank account to Australia. And and I was researching it and there was all these fees and conversion rates and especially with switching them to Bitcoin, it was like I was paying over a hundred dollars in fees for like two hundred dollars of Bitcoin. Wow. Like this is crazy, but I couldn't find any other way and this seemed to be the best way about it. So we just wanted to try it, me and Gordon. So I didn't even have a bank account at the time but i just met my new girlfriend at the time i was uh, i just moved in with her her name was uh, kendra so gordon came over we went to kendra's bank we took i took gordon's money me and her just went inside alone so i think i had um 200 dollars or something like that and we wanted to transfer it and the attendant at the uh bank since it was my girlfriend's bank and I was the one with the money and stuff, she was looking at me all weird and we were just young kids and we wanted to send $200 to Australia, you know, wired through this bank account. And and she was all, she wouldn't, she ended up, she wouldn't do it. She wouldn't. And my girlfriend was like, this is my, I'm okaying this. This I want this. This is my money. I want to do this. this is my bank account. And she sent us over to go talk to this manager. And she was basically saying, you're not smart enough to do this. You're getting scammed. This isn't real. You're this is a scam. Don't send, you can't send this money. We're not going to let you. So they didn't let us. And I, I thought that was really bizarre. And then they called her mother. <laughs> She's calling. So the bank calls the, the mother and saying, oh, they're trying to send money to Australia. So we had to deal with that. We ended up using, I believe Gordon's bank instead. So you sent the money to Australia and they wouldn't give you, you didn't get bitcoins in return. You had an account on their website and they would give you, I forget what it was. It was like, I forget the abbreviation for it and I forget the currency. It was this really bizarre currency. And it was like $150 was like 240000 And then from there, that's what you bought with your money from transfer. They put that in your account, that weird currency. Then you take that weird currency and there'd be a going rate from that to Bitcoin. And then you'd trade that. But you had to wait like a few days for the accounts to transfer and all this. It was just this terrible process.
1: Sounds like a laundering process really.
0: <laughs> it's it's very, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's very not convenient. Do you know anything about the going rates of them? Uh,
1: one bitcoin's like worth what like $300 to
0: $1000? Um I honestly don't know what it is today. Okay. But I remember when I got arrested it was about uh, I think it was up to 1200 wow. dollars for one bitcoin. Uh mm-hmm. But it would fluctuate. Sometimes it would even fluctuate, you know, $100 a day. It was really, yeah. really scary to have. And, you know, you don't want it to go down before you order something. But I remember back then, it was, I think we got like 12 and a half Bitcoin for like 150 bucks. It was mind-blowing now to think of how much that is worth, you know. <laughs> if you would have just kept them. Yeah, just kept them. I'm trying to remember the very first thing we bought. I think it was, uh, we just bought Weed at first. I was hesitant to buy marijuana through that because i was like out of everything you can send in the mail that's the word it's gonna smell you know what i mean we're gonna get caught yeah it doesn't sound like a good idea you
1: could send cocaine or anything else way easier than marijuana yeah exactly because the bulk of it and the aroma
0: so we ended up going with an ounce just to try it out the thing was is we didn't know where to send it and gordon was a total jerk He wouldn't put. Oh, I'm not going to put the account in my name. I'm not going to send it to my house, you know, and all this. But he was putting in the majority of the money because I didn't have the money at the time. So I was like, whatever. I'm not worried about it. So I didn't know where to send it because I was living with my girlfriend. So we ended up going to the post office and opening a PO box under my name, of course. And uh, it took a while. And I remember going. I remember walking into the post office and just freaking. I was like. They're gonna. It's gonna smell. I'm probably gonna go get arrested when I walk in there. I remember walking in there and it was it, the package was too big for it to fit in the P.O. box. So I had to go to the uh, counter, <laughs> and the lady had to hand it over to me. And I remember I was just just so nervous. But I, we walk. I walked out, and nothing happened. And got in. It was vacuum sealed a bunch of times, and in a nice little container, and it, it ended up being pretty good. And then we're like, holy crap! This this works. This is a real thing. Like. We you can get of, anything now.
1: You can kind of pay a premium for it, but you can get anything you want.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then I was on the hunt to find out how to get them Bitcoins cheaper, you know. Mm-hmm. But so we didn't have to pay such a high premium, especially because I live in a in the middle of nowhere up north, like two hours away from Canada.
1: You have to drive a long way to the city and find somebody yeah. and have a connection. Yeah. It's not exactly. convenient.
0: Yeah. A four hour drive each way or something. We we're so pumped because this access is a whole new world. We can get anything right to here, and things that people want, things that people can't get up here. But we just started out very small in the beginning. We weren't doing it to try to, you know, sell drugs or anything. Like that in the beginning, we were just doing it for personal use and try it out. So I remember we got the marijuana first, and then I think we got some uh, some MDMA that came from Germany, and it was like. 84% lab tested or whatever the guy said and and then I remember we bought at the same time we bought um you know how if you watch cops the police use those uh testing kits where they drop the whatever drug it is into the little packet and then you, you crush the uh the little tr- glass thing in there in turns of color yeah we bought those as well to test the MDMA be, and, um, yeah,
1: you're getting something through the mail from somebody on the other side of the planet. You have no idea what you're getting. I, it's kind of a smart move in a weird way.
0: Oh, exactly. And with a thing like MDMA, it's so polluted and can't trust anything, especially. But it, it turned out that the guy wasn't wrong. And he even had pictures on there of uh, lab tests, you know, like purity tests and all this different thing mm-hmm. and it, it was really professional and i was really astounded by all of the different all around the world and all around our country and just all the different it's just bizarre to think that there's that many people that are sending things like this through the mail you know i had no idea that it was to that level and, and it's literally like an amazon you know you can you can click on uh five grams of methamphetamine and then read the reviews and say all oh, this stuff is great he's a very professional shipper and it really blows your mind <laughs>
1: There's even critic reviews, critical yeah, reviews, and exactly. in the black market. And, uh, I
0: ended up getting into the forums for there because there's a whole form website where people are reading and talking about different sellers. You know, just it's a very in-depth community. Actually, you'd be surprised. <laughs> I was still obviously doing pills throughout this whole thing, and I wanted to get some from there because it was always hard to find everything I needed, especially when you need them every day. You know, everything on there for prescription pill wise super expensive it wasn't worth it especially after the fees and stuff i couldn't do it it was it was like no one in their right mind would pay this much money around the same time this uh girl came over that i used to get pills from me and my girlfriend were at her house and this, this girl came over and she had uh heroin so i was like no way i'm never gonna do that you know i'm never what are you doing you crazy and she ended up coming over one day and she had it and i was withdrawing we couldn't find any pills that day and it was like eight o'clock at night and i was like i'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight this is this isn't okay this girl came over and she's like yeah i'll sell you this for fifty dollars and i bought it and it's in a little wrapped up foil And i remember looking at it and it was like nothing and i was like you ripped me i thought she ripped me off you know it was like nothing it was just a little tiny chunk Mm -hmm. i was like no What, what is this and she's like just just do it this is Great, trust me. This is from his personal stuff, and she's all high. I do this little, probably a match head size little bump, and I had a decent tolerance then. And you so, snorted it. Yeah, and I remember sitting back, and after about five minutes, all of a sudden, I was sitting back, and I felt crappy already because I was starting to withdraw, and I remember it was like all of the tension and all my muscles just released. It was like, oh... This is wonderful. <laughs> and I it felt great. It felt way better than Pills had because I'd become more resistant to them. You know, I couldn't really get as high as I wanted to.
1: It, it's sad that you're having to go the next step each time to get that yeah. same, you know, chasing the dragon, whatever you want to call it, that same effect that you got that first time. You, you lose yeah. it,
0: and then it, you have to go to something harder to... And I remember it was $50 for 0.1. 0.1 tenth, gram? Yeah, tenth of a gram. Wow. You know, like in New York and stuff, they'll sell it for a 0.1 of, of just one bag, which is normally 0.1 is like $10. But that's like really garbage, you know, like really stepped on. It's cut. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. yeah, very, very cut. So it was the stuff that I tried, obviously. It's none of its pure, but it was really good. So I ended up getting it from her another time. You could tell she was ripping she was ended up ripping me off. She was like doing some of it on the way there from, you know, she take my money and then go get it. And you could tell she was all high and she was doing some of it. And I was like, I can't deal with this is garbage. Like you're dealing for me basically. And it's costing so much money. My girlfriend at the time, Kendra, when I was living at her house still, I was supplying her with everything too. So it was costing me a lot of money. You know, like, this is crazy. I'm getting ripped off from every angle here. <laughs> and, uh, so I went on back onto Silk Road, and I was like, I wonder if they have heroin on there. You know, I wonder if it's cheap. Because so, at the time, I was only doing it whenever that girl could get me in, and I was still doing pills most of the time. So I went on there and looked. Everything was seemed really expensive, but I didn't know anything about quality and stuff. And I, I remember finding this guy. His name was Italy, and it was he was from Italy. And he spoke broken English. And people were like, oh, it's a great value. And he had decent reviews. So I talked to Gordon, and he wanted to try it. So he only did build a few times, but he wanted to try it. So we ended up putting in the money for it, and we put in a – I don't forget how much. It was cheap. It was very cheap. It was like $30 a gram compared to what I was paying. I was like, holy crap. Um, Even if it's not super good, even if it's pretty bad, like a whole gram for $30, you know, what if I did – Two tenths of it in that got me. that'd still be a better deal than what I'm paying now.
1: Yeah, fifty for a tenth as compared to thirty for ten times that.
0: Yeah, exactly. I was like how bad could it be, you know?
1: And and that's <laughs> hilarious to me that you can get an entire gram for thirty dollars, yet you weren't buying pills from Silk Road because they were too expensive. <laughs> legal yeah, right? legal prescription pills were not worth buying illegally, but illegal drugs such as heroin the black market drives that price down. Something to consider. And
0: what I did, because at the time, I was selling a little bit of weed. I was getting weed from Gordon at that time to supply my drug habit because I didn't have a job. I was buying like a half ounce or an ounce from him. He would give it to me, and then I'd sell it and make like you know $200 to use my money to support my habit and my girlfriend's habit. So I remember I didn't have a bunch of money to, to go in for the heroin, especially when it would... Take a long period of time from me putting in the money to get anything back. You know, you got to wait for everything, especially from Italy, plus all the Bitcoin hassle. It'd be almost
1: a month before you'd even see the drugs.
0: Especially for that circumstance in Italy. So I remember I went around to people I knew that did pills. I ended up pooling together a bunch of people's money, and I didn't tell them how I was doing it, obviously. I just said that it would take a while. Mm -hmm. And they agreed to it, and gave me their money, and then Gordon put in his money. And I forget how much it was, but it was a decent amount of money. And we ended up going in for uh, 20 gram. We waited forever, and it came. And I was super excited. And I remember went down to uh, Gordon's. Was there? He made me wait to open it. He thought I was going to rip him off. He was all paranoid. <laughs> and so he gets there, and we open it up. Holy crap, it's a lot. And it was all in powder. It wasn't any chunks like I knew. Yeah. I knew it could be powder, you know, if you crushed them or whatever. But I, I was like, whatever. And I tried just a little bit because I, I didn't know it was going to be strong or weak or I just did a little bit. It was like nothing. I didn't even feel it. And I did more and more, and I didn't feel anything really. Like I, we just kept doing mounds of this stuff, (laughs) and I was like, "This is trash." (laughs) Like, no, no wonder it's so cheap. But it was to the point where I wouldn't even do it. You had to do so much, and you wouldn't feel anything. Like if it was such a low purity, or if it was. Not even actually heroin, and it was something, some opiate that he put in and it or something. I don't know what the deal was. But you got but burned. Pretty much. But then all the people wanted their stuff, you know. <laughs> so I gave them it, and I was like, it's not good. So I gave them pretty much almost double what they were expecting, because I was getting it so cheap, but they didn't know that. So I pretty much gave them double what they were expecting, and they, were, they came back, and they were still mad, you know. <laughs> like, this was not good. I was like, yeah, I don't know what you want me to do about it, so... So, I got was, a question
1: for you. Did you leave Italy a bad review on Silk um,
0: I If I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure I left them a one star <laughs> out of five. <laughs> and it sort of turned me off to the whole thing. You know, I never, with the with the marijuana and stuff, everything was good. And even when we did the MDMA, it was super good. I never had a bad experience up until then. We, we held off for a little while, a couple of months. We didn't do anything. We ended up... Finding this website, well, actually, Gordon brought it to me. He said it was local Bitcoins, and it was through MoneyGram to get your Bitcoins. And there was no weird currency that you had to convert to Bitcoins. It was just cash to MoneyGram to Bitcoins in your account. And I was like, this seems like a lot better approach. Maybe we should try this again. Save a lot of more money and give it a whirl. We went to Walmart to do the uh, MoneyGram. By the time I got drove back home money was in my account on their website then you transfer from there to your Silk Road account which when you transfer things bitcoins you have this really long address that's like I don't remember how many like 25 characters numbers and letters just randomized you send it from one to another and then it takes about an hour to transfer to Silk Road we put it in for more pure heroin we only got one gram between the both of us but it was like three hundred dollars which to me was a good deal because it was $500, basically. So we got that, and it came really fast, and we didn't have to wait days for the Bitcoin. That ended up being very, very good, like better than anything I tried. Do you know where it came from? That one was from uh, Indiana. I remember from, that. From,
1: from America, American-made, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The guy's name was Supreme Smoke, actually. I remember that. <laughs> It ended up being awesome. But then at that point, I was like, this is way better. I pretty much focused to trying to find that over pills And that was a, a, the next downfall. <laughs> and then I ended up trying to, I stopped selling pot because I was like, I can get this stuff pretty cheap. And, and all all these people that I knew around me that were, were doing prescription pills, that was all the people I surrounded myself at that point. They all were slowly but surely trying heroin from the cities. They were switching to that because it was a cheaper alternative, lasts you longer. Even though it was so expensive really, where we live, it was still cheaper than doing pills. I ended up saying, hey, I could probably sell some of this, um, you know, and I can get it cheaper and then I can do mine for free and easier than selling weed to all the young kids. It yeah, smells it, and all this.
1: It, yeah, it's it's easier to conceal, it doesn't smell, and you can probably double your your profit. It,
0: yeah, and I won't have to deal with a bunch of children basically <laughs> and calling me all day. Yeah, and, and, that,
1: and that was going to be my question: was how were you coming up with a lot of this money? But apparently, it was from your weed sales and yeah, other, I was still other,
0: I was still selling weed at that point. Yes, yeah,
1: pills and weed.
0: Got the bright idea that oh, going to be a great idea to sell heroin, which obviously <laughs> <is>. <laughs> that's in anyone yeah. anyone's world that's not a good idea. So we found this guy on there because I was. I wasn't going to make enough money. I sold a couple times with that Supreme smoke guy, but it was still a little bit too expensive. I wasn't making enough money and I was starting to do more and more and needing more. It was not going to last me long enough and it wasn't cheap enough.
1: So you're getting high off your own supply. So now you're, you're cutting into your own profits.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we found this guy and his name was best man. That was where it, it, from there that guy was all the way to the end with me (laughs) He uh was from Baltimore. I talked to him over the messaging on Silk Road for a long time. Right when I started talking to him, we ended up doing a deal where we got two grams. At that time, Josh
1: remember, Josh from school.
0: Yeah, if you remember the ex drug the ex pill addict. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was still doing pills these times and I'll still hang out with him, just not as much as Gordon. He was doing started doing the heroin too. So he was getting into it and he was getting closer and closer to me. We bought that from Best Man. And that was his username on Silk Road.
1: And he's from Baltimore where they shoot the wire.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, it was really cheap and it was really good when we got it. This is awesome. I was getting it for, I believe, I think it was at the beginning, I think it was $200 a gram. But once we started dealing with them more and buying more, it became a lot cheaper. But at that point, we just tried it once, And then I remember... I was going to go make another order because I had Josh wanted some, Gordon wanted some, and I wanted some. So I was going to use their money plus the money I had to get a big amount. At this point, I was the only one that knew how to do the whole process. I was the one that learned how to buy the Bitcoins and do all that, and no one knew how to do that. And I was having to do it, and it was all in my name, mind you. Even though they were buying it, they wouldn't have put it in their name. I logged in. Went to log in just to see how much bitcoins exactly I needed to make this order. You type in the URL, and instead of Silk Road's login popping up, it's this big screen that says "Seized by the FBI." Huh. And I was like, "What? This can't. This can't be happening." Look in, because every once in a while they'll they'll change the URL because URLs on the Tor browser, deep web basically, yeah. the URLs are just a bunch of random characters. And so I was wondering, oh, maybe they have a new URL because they would scramble it and change it. And I was looking at all the forms that I went on, and there there wasn't. It, everyone was saying, the police, they shut it down, It's done, And all of the money that was in there is gone.
1: So your Bitcoins were actually housed within Silk Road, not in another container.
0: Yeah. I mean, I had a wallet as well. On the website I started using through the MoneyGram, it would, that website has its own wallet for your account. So when you buy them with cash, they put it into that, the website, which you can access just from Google, just from the regular internet. And then you would send them to my Silk Road account. I didn't have much money in Silk Road when it went down. I think I had like 50 to to $100. I luckily didn't transfer it yet when I was going to do the big order. I didn't know what to do. Everyone was saying that it was shut down and there was millions, hundreds of millions of dollars seized or whatever. Do you remember when this happened? Oh yeah, <laughs> it was yeah, huge. Oh, yeah. so, I was in a little bit of a panic because best man's gone now. <laughs> I don't know where he is, <laughs> and we needed to do this still. So I'm looking at these forms, and all of these throughout the next week or two, all these new sites were popping up all over the place. You know, there was a uh, black market reloaded, and all these different Silk Road two ended up coming.
1: Yeah, but Silk Road knockoff sites
0: were popping up. Yeah. But a lot of them were untrustworthy, like you try to steal people's money or if it's, you know, you don't know what it is. I ended up finding these people on the forums that I used to talk to and they went to the site called Agora. But it was in its beta phase pretty much and they wanted to be more secure than Silk Road. The only way you could get in is if you were referred. Like you could go to the link and nothing would happen even if you had the link. You had to have someone with an account send you a key, basically. I got into it, and Best Man was on there. I knew he was on there before because people were talking about it. I started messaging Best Man again, and he remembered that it was me from there. Because I was talking to him before it shut down about placing a bigger order and all that and how much prices, if it would change, if I get it cheaper. So he remembered, and uh, we ended up going and putting in a big amount, me, Josh, and Gordon. I think we got like five grand. We got in, everything was good, so I was like, awesome. Now we have this new Bitcoin site to buy them. We have the new website that's a lot more secure, and I have my guy back. And I'm making more money because I'm getting it even cheaper. So Life's perfect. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. When I first started doing heroin, that $50 bag, one point, would we call them points, point one would last me and my girlfriend like a full day and night, and then even into the next morning, I'd be fine until the next night. I wouldn't need to find anything. And I remember slowly it would be uh, a point would last just me alone, like one line, (laughs) two lines. So it ended up being half a gram would last us, me and her a full day and a half. And it just, it progressed very fast with something like heroin. It didn't progress as fast with pills, the amount that I was doing, but with heroin, since it's not super measurable either, and you don't know the purity, you just keep doing lines, you know? And so, it can very, very fast catch up to you. You'll be doing a lot more than you would expect.
1: How much do you think you were, like at the highest or worst point, What? how much do you think you were spending per day just on your habit?
0: Well, between me and her market value, like what I could sell it for, it was uh, at least $1,000 a day. $1,000 a day. It, well, It didn't cost me personally yeah, that. Yeah, I know, I was, know. Yeah, but yeah, but, but yeah, I would do, we, I'd give her pretty much a gram a day and me a gram and fast forward, Gordon went to college, and I taught him how to do everything, but I didn't like the idea of doing it. Me and Gordon, Josh, and my girlfriend were the only ones that knew that what we were doing and how we were getting it. So now another person knows, but he was going to college, and I trusted him. So figured it out, and he was still ordering whatever he wanted. And then it was just me and Josh. And Josh had just been starting to work at the, uh, in North Dakota on the pipeline, and he was making very good money. They make good money over there. So, and at that point I was really into this and getting bigger amounts. And he was like, I want to buy a lot. All right. Like, and I messaged best man and we wanted to get 10 grams. And at that point I was like, that's crazy. You know, it's $500 a gram that's getting there. That's a lot. (laughs) So I messaged him and he ended up getting it for about 150 to $100 a gram. I was like, this is, I can make some decent money, you know, it's $50 a point. So we did that and I would get extra, you know, for doing it. I would charge Josh slightly more because I was doing everything. It was my name, you know, and he was like, oh, it's no big deal. He was basically saying I didn't deserve anything for, but I was like, it's a big risk, but he didn't think it was at the time. And then from that, I was able to, I was getting more for cheaper. So at that point Happened after a few more buys. It was we were gonna both buy ten gram, but we were doing twenty gram order. That was at about the peak of it. I messaged him, and it ended up being a lot of money. Because when you're dealing with a lot of money like that, thousands and thousands of dollars, when you're going to MoneyGram, a lot of these Bitcoin sellers make you pay fees through the MoneyGram. Mm-hmm. The MoneyGram has crazy fees. I remember it was hundreds and hund- hundreds of dollars when you're spending thousands.
1: So did you have so, to break up the purchases for, to lessen the fees or do it all in one?
0: I still did it all in one, but I wanted to find a new way to do it. So on that same website, through the MoneyGram, it's based, that website to buy Bitcoins was basically like a, uh, there's a bunch, a bunch of, it's like eBay, there's a bunch of sellers and buyers. They do it different ways. I was just doing MoneyGram because that's how it was easy and it was the way I knew how to do it. So I ended up finding this person on there that sold bitcoins for a lot cheaper than the Moneygram guy, or not a lot cheaper, but decently cheaper, and he did it through Wells Fargo Bank transfer and I was like, it's not out of, it's not out of the country, so it's not going to be crazy. There's no fees through it. We didn't have to you had to use Wells Fargo, but you didn't have to have a bank account even that was the that was the best part of it is you could go in there and you wouldn't even have to show an ID. You just say, "Here's five thousand dollars, put it in this you know account number." And they would do it, and then you get home, and they send you your Bitcoin. So it ended up being way faster, easier, and a lot less expensive. So we did that,
1: and, and we more. Both- uh, you're, and you were more anonymous too.
0: Exactly. You didn't even have to have your a bank account to connected to it, or anything, or walking into Walmart and writing your name down on a piece of paper. We were buying ten and ten, ten grams each. We were both selling it to afford our own habit, and he ended up. Since he had a job in Minnesota, he would be able to come home every day. Josh would. So he ended up buying, renting out the spare room at my girlfriend's house. Up, upstairs, we were downstairs. It was sort of weird. It was a weird situation because I was around him a lot more. And he was getting into it really bad. Well, we both were. He would be upstairs and we'd be in his room. And we'd be getting high together all night. And he had to leave go drive a couple hours to his job site in the morning at like 5 a.m. he'd have to leave. I remember he'd be sitting in his chair just falling asleep like nodding out and be like dude you got to drive like in it's like winter time <laughs> you you can't be you know you got to work what's wrong man wake up. I remember every day he would get home he would be like oh man I kept falling asleep the whole way home like I kept pulling over and snorting lines to try to keep myself awake and I'm like Sort of the opposite, but yeah. Yeah. And, but he was saying, he kept saying, I almost crashed. And I'm like, dude, you're going to kill yourself. You can't be doing this. You know, you got to get some sleep and stop staying up all night and doing so much drugs (laughs) while you're working. And I remember he's driving home and it's icy and he falls asleep and totals his truck. He nodded out. And uh, we ended up having to go drive over an hour to go pick him up. And truck was totaled and everything brand new uh dodge Ram
1: it was only him involved in the accident,
0: oh yeah, he just he went off the road, and yeah, it was only him, he didn't even get injured, so at that point, everything's getting pretty low he's he <laughs> he wrecked his truck, and we were both getting pretty bad, but we were still keeping up the ten and ten ten grams each, and he was dealing with a lot of really sketchy people. If I was hanging out with him, he would be like, oh, let's go stop over at these apartments so I can sell this. And I didn't even want my face to be seen around there. I didn't want to be known around there for a guy that's constantly selling heroin.
1: Yeah, you want to distance and, yourself as much yeah,
0: as you can. I, I was nervous, as I should have been. And he would go over there and he would pull out eight gram bags, like a big amount that no none of these drug addicts have ever seen They'd all be freaking. Out. I'm like, dude, you're going to get stabbed one of these times. You're being stupid. Yeah, brag he was bragging a lot.
1: You yeah, know, he was showing off. But yet, yeah. it's an amateur move on the street because he's he's got thousands of dollars worth of heroin on him. Anyone could just take it.
0: It's, yeah, or inform other people or the police. Yeah, you know, you don't want people to know that. Oh, you have all these drugs all the time. I always told him not to do stupid stuff like that. Obviously, but he. Never stopped. (laughs) And um, since he was hanging around those apartments, everyone around there was intravenous users. They would all shoot up. I always have hated needles. I remember hanging out, and I remember Gordon shooting up for the first time, you know, and I remember slowly but surely the people I knew started doing that. I didn't like it, obviously. I felt like it was going to the next level, which it is, but I just didn't feel comfortable around all that you know i remember it was my girlfriend's birthday we went over to this i had this friend named jen and she like in her late 40s and she had a daughter that was my age and then a son that was younger mm-hmm. and we always hung over at her house and she sold diluted pills she also had fentanyl diluted. if you know anything about it if you snort it nothing's gonna happen I remember buying them and trying to snort them and you literally don't even feel it, especially when you have a tolerance, but they're amazing for shooting up. That's what people do with them. That's what they're pretty much black market wise. That's what they're used for. If you eat them, they don't really do anything. They're made for shooting up. And I remember being over there one day and it was, uh, my girlfriend's birthday and we didn't have anything at the time. We were waiting for, uh, our stuff to come in the mail mm-hmm. and we were starting to get sick, but we had money and, uh, she had a bunch of dilated like she always did. Jen, she, my girlfriend like asking me like, oh, is this fine? You know, can we try it? And I was like, I don't really want to, but I started getting really sick, you know, and there's no, you're to that point where, what am I going to do? You start panicking. So I remember we went to the bathroom and Jen started to tie off my girlfriend's arm and do all that Mm -hmm. and it was just surreal to me like I didn't think that I would be in that situation at one point in my life
1: would you consider this rock bottom here in the bathroom
0: no not yet (laughs) no problem (laughs) unfortunately not I mean in my mind at the point I was thinking this isn't good but I've never even talked about this to anybody but uh so then I ended up going next and she did it for me, and because I, I I couldn't even look. I was just looking the other way. Mm-hmm. I was sitting on the edge of the bathtub. I, I remember I was so, so nervous, and I was like, you need to do everything perfect. You need, like, an alcohol swab. You need to, like, take the spoon and wipe it with an alcohol swab. You need to wipe my arm with an alcohol swab. You need to use a brand-new um, needle, obviously, and you need – you know what I mean? Everything needs to be perfectly sterile. And I remember she had a bunch of cats – and there's hair in the bathroom and she's smoking a cigarette while she's setting everything up. There's ashes, you know, and I'm like, dude, this isn't sterile and she didn't wipe the spoon off like I imagine. Like, I imagine I wanted to do it like a medical setting almost. She's Hyperchond- got a cigarette hanging out of her mouth. and <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> Never heard of a hypochondriac drug user, but I get it. <laughs> I get I totally get it.
0: I just didn't want anything to go wrong, you know. Yeah. Like an infection or something. I didn't know. She's you don't need to do that, you don't need to do that, you don't need to wipe off your arm, that's that's stupid, it that doesn't matter. And I'm like all worried about, is there air in that? You didn't flick it in all this, you know, when she pulled it up. Because I always knew, like in movies, it's, everyone used to say, oh, if there's even one drop of air in a needle, you'll die. Yeah, that, That's not a real thing, I guess. I mean, you need a lot more air than just a little. It's, not,
1: it's not a good thing, but it's. You
0: know. No, obviously, <laughs> but it's not just going to instantly kill you like I imagined. <laughs> but I was all nervous about all that, and then I looked the other way and she did it instantly like it just snapped and it was it was really good (laughs) it was like an incredible feeling and a rush i was start i was withdrawing at that point i remember right when i felt it it just instantly all that went away like it was like night and day it was really bizarre how instantly it was so good the whole reason that i never wanted to do that like that was because i didn't want it to because i knew that it would be better than snorting it and I didn't want that to be what I do now.
1: You knew this was taking it to the next level and there's no
0: going back. Yeah. And I didn't want to do that. I really did. not It was a great feeling at least. I really wanted to do it the next day. I woke up and I really, really wanted to do it. But I knew that I shouldn't and I didn't. And then about the next day after that, it was just a little bit wanting to do it. And then the day after that, it was gone. And I was like, oh, that was cool, but I don't. thought it was going to be like oh i need to do this it wasn't like that and i was like oh okay
1: but still wanting to do it the very next day and and, oh i mean that's still i've never done a drug where i've like craved it the next day
0: like no it was definitely (laughs) like i'm oh i really want to do that especially the day after you wake up i didn't do it for a while my mind at the time was if i need to because she always had these dilated. Always, she was getting them from these old, this old couple that was getting hundreds of them a month. They were really expensive, but I, my mind at the time was, I snort heroin. I know that if I shoot it up, it's going to be better than snorting it. So I'm never going to do that. If I ever, ever do that again, the only thing it's going to be is those dilated because you can't snort them.
1: You can't snort them because the the drug manufacturer puts some sort of filler in there, right?
0: No, that's not it with those. Oh, okay. That's just, there's no bioavailability, really. Oh, it's just, okay. You're wasting a lot of it. Mm-hmm. It's like a 20% bioavailability or something, and it just it doesn't do anything for some reason. But I knew that that's the only thing I'm going to do like that, that. I would never, I'm not going to shoot up heroin. So we ended up, I did it again. She did it for me with the diluted one, we didn't have anything. And I did it a few times. She always did it for me. But then after a few times, she was pissed off. And she's like, I'm not going to do this for you. If you're going to go down this road, you need to do it yourself. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. I can't do that. Like, I was a total pussy about it. I, just, I couldn't. And I was like, I don't want to do that. You know, I didn't want to go to that point where I'm actually doing it myself and looking at it. And It was just I wanted to disconnect myself from it almost. So she was saying this to me one time when we wanted her to do it. And we bought the pills from her. And we had to go to Target. And buy needles. I was like super nervous to do it, but my girlfriend wasn't really super nervous to do it. I guess so. Went to her house. She ended up doing it to herself, and she got it. I was like super nervous, but I was like, "All right, you can you can try to do it for me," you know, because I I really didn't want to try. She got it. Luckily, after that, it freaked me out a little bit because it was like it didn't. It seemed like she didn't really phaser you know like it was really easy for her to do and simple you know i didn't want her to be in the mindset that she's gonna do this all the time i didn't want that to happen Mm -hmm. but it seemed like it was going to for a while when we're in between getting our stuff in the mail it was like a week in between and uh we were just doing these dilated like every day and i remember we went over to my friend's house that lived in these we call it the ghetto these apartment buildings, its like an apartment block. It's not like a ghetto ghetto, but theres that's where Jen lived, the lady with the Dilaudid. And then one of my buddies from school, Dustin, lived a couple apartments over in the same little apartment block. We went over to his house, and he uh, wanted to try it or whatever, shooting up to the Dilaudid. And he's only done pills a few times. He was the Adderall guy. My girlfriend didn't want to do it for me, to me. So Dustin's like, oh, I can do it. He <laughs> ends up stabbing me about 15 to 20 times in my arm. And my girlfriend's watching, and she's like, you don't have it. You don't have it. You're not in the vein. You can't do it. And then finally, he's like, oh, I got it. And he, he plunges it down, and she's like, stop. And he already did it. I wasn't looking because I, I was nervous this whole time, and he was hurting me. And I look at my arm, and it starts to welt up like huge. He missed the whole thing. I didn't feel anything. He missed it, so it's just a huge lump under my skin, and my whole arm is all bruised because it stabbed me so many times. And still to this day, actually, I still have scars on that on that arm. If you look closely, you can see that it's messed up because so I was stabbed so many times, bleeding all over and stuff. I was freaking out because I knew that if you missed, you can get an abscess. You have to go to the hospital and stuff. So I went over to Jen's house, and I was freaking out, and I was pissed off because I wasn't even high. And she's like, oh, you'll feel it in a little bit. It'll slowly soak through your body. But she's like, you need to push your arm out straight, and you need to push push on that lump really hard and rub it in circles. You need to push on it really hard so it'll soak through because if any of that gets stuck in there, it will create an abscess. And it hurt so bad to even touch it. Like it hurt to push my sleeve down. And I'm trying to like push on it really hard, you know, because I was freaking out. It just hurt so bad. But luckily, after a few days, it got less and less and I didn't have an abscess. That's
1: that's <laughs> scary though. I mean,
0: Yeah, that was my first experience that was like, ooh, this is really sketchy. So
1: Sorry. You, you you hit this you got this problem. Um, do you continue shooting up after this point?
0: Only With the Dilaudid one, I didn't have heroin. It got to the point where I probably only did it a handful of times. Like, I'd say 10, 15 times tops. It's about to get, I'm about to tell you the ending, (laughs) okay? basically. But (laughs) uh, right before that, Gorn was still going to college (laughs) an hour and a half away. So I was driving out there a lot. Because when I would be waiting for my stuff, if he had something, I'd drive an hour and a half to buy some from him, you know? And we'd help each other out if we were waiting. So I was driving out there a lot. And he moved out of the dorms recently and had an apartment with a friend. He had this girl over there that was always hanging around, I guess. And I knew this girl. And she was like really, she overdosed like five times. And she had scars all over her arms from, they had to cut her open and stuff to get abscesses out of her pretty far gone <laughs> and she was hanging around Gordon and just leeching off. And I was like, dude, all right. Like I went and talk to him. I'm like, are you crazy? Like, dude, you realize you see what she's doing, right? She's using. And he's like, no, I really like her and all this stuff. So they basically started dating. I drove over to his apartment an hour and a half away. He had a package coming and he was going to front me a little bit till I got mine. So I stayed the night over there and in the morning they went to school and then I waited for the package. I got the package, waited for them to come home, him and his girlfriend. They get home, and I'm super excited. So we went and we opened this thing up. And that was the first time that that girl that he was with ever tried anything that was super good. Most of the time she was getting stuff from around the area, and it wasn't very good at all. And she's all freaking out. And he, she's like, I want to shoot this up. I want to shoot this up. And I'm like, okay, you can and everything, Like obviously, because Gordon was going to give her some. But I was like, you can only, you don't do what you normally do. She's like, I always shoot up two points. And I'm like, no, like shoot up half of one. Or if you're really going to, do one top. It's not what you think it is. And she was brushing me off like I'm stupid. And I was like, I'm not going to let him give you this, and I'm not going to give you this unless you are only, like we're only going to give you the one. You're not going to do two, you'll die. And she's like all pissed off. And he ended up just giving her the one. We hadn't tried it yet, so I start a little bit, and she's over in the corner of the bed, getting it all ready to shoot up. And I'm like, whole like I just did a little bit, and I had a huge tolerance by then. It was like I was like, this is weird, this is almost like extra strong, like it was it was almost like it was unnormal. And she's getting it all ready and she does it. And I'm standing there talking to Gordon, and he's helping me, he's weighing out my portion. And I look over and she's Sitting on the floor, legs crossed, and she has she's got like this little makeup bag in front of her where she keeps her utensils to get high, if you wanna call it that. She's like falling asleep sitting up, like, hey, wake up and uh sits up but like hardly. She opens her eyes hardly, and I like run over to her and I grab the stuff out of her hand so she doesn't stab herself or something. are you okay? Like, I told you not this was strong and like I didn't think anything was wrong, I thought it was fine, you know. Was just high and i put the stuff away she's sitting there and uh i look and she's on her stomach looks like she was planking you know that stupid planking thing yeah years back it looked like she was doing that like she was straight out and she was so tense and sh- shaking like her feet were raised and her head was raised but she was on her stomach so it was like she was so tense; it was bizarre. And I ran over to her, and I'm like, I was freaking out. And she was purple, and she was shaking, and her like eyes were like pretty much backwards. So I didn't know what to do. I'm like, Gordon, call nine one one, like now, call him. And he's like, No, man, we got way too much shit in here. So we just got all our stuff. And I'm like, Are you? She's gonna die in your apartment. <laughs> you you can't let her die. He ended up finally agreeing to call, and she like. Heat herself she's gonna die dude they're not gonna get here fast enough or like in a, a frenzy you know trying to or the ambulance the police show up to get rid of all this stuff so he's throwing everything he has like scales and pot and ecstasy and all the heroin we just got and i take it all and i run outside and throw it in the car and drive away over to this taco bell where i can see across the street to the apartment I'm sitting there and then I like dawned on me because every time before that, I never thought of it like it was dangerous or like something you could die. You know what I mean? I didn't think of it like that for some reason. Like I knew it could happen, but I, it never seemed scary to me. And I realized this is real, like, holy crap. And they came and they brought her out on a stretcher and everything. They revived her and she was okay. Thank God. Luckily at the hospital.
1: But if they hadn't come, that she probably wouldn't have lived.
0: He probably would have died. Yeah. yeah. He's all high talking to the police. I'm sitting across the street watching. They end up just saying, yeah, whatever. Like they couldn't, we'll go.
1: So, so they searched and they didn't find anything and they're not really able to determine that he's broken any law, even though he's got this girl that's OD'd in his room.
0: Yeah. Well, they didn't really like rip everything apart, but they asked him if they were doing drugs and stuff and he pretty much knew that we were, but just they just left i go back over there and i'm like i was trying to figure out if that stuff was really strong or if there was something in there that is really dangerous you know i didn't know i was like i can't give this to somebody what if they shoot up and die you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so we're all nervous about it my girlfriend her friend and josh were driving during when this was happening they were on their way out because i told them we got it and they wanted to get some they didn't know what happened and uh They finally get there and Josh wanted to get high right away. And and I was like, no dude, we told them what just happened. And like, I don't want you to like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. No one's going to shoot us up. You can snort a little bit, but until we know for sure, his girlfriend at the time didn't know that he was doing anything like shooting up wise. She knew that he snorted stuff. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden we're sitting there in Gordon's apartment and He's like, hey, Brock, come talk to me real quick. So we walk out into the hallway. He's like, let's go down to my truck. We walk out to his truck, and he pulls out uh, a needle and stuff. And I'm like, dude, you're not can't do this. He's like, yeah, just don't tell anybody. You'll be here with me if anything happens. And I'm like, no, dude, what the hell? Like, why would you put me in this situation? You're not going to do that. He's like, I'll just do a little tiny bit. He does it, and, and it ends up being, oh, he's fine. he was fine. But, he, but he's was, like, he
1: was willing to take that risk.
0: Yeah, and that also messed with me a little bit too that. He wasn't even there, but I was like, that she almost died and now you're, you know what I mean? That you're going to risk that? How, was this like an hour or two later that he's doing this? Yeah, yeah, it, cuz it's an hour and a half drive. It was about 2 or 3 hours later after we hung out and everything. Yeah. So, so a girl almost dies and
1: less than 3 hours later he wants to shoot up.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was just like it was super strong though. And he hardly did any. And I'm like, well, if we give this to anybody, I don't trust it. Like, I don't want someone to die and then it be on me. Or, you know, I don't want anyone to be in danger like that. He's like, oh, well, I'm going to tell everyone that. it, And he was, like, brushing it off like it was no big deal. And,
1: <laughs> I mean, just, just a little aside is uh, a lot of people I know will eat pot edibles. And even though they'll be told – this is very, very potent. Nobody ever would listen, and they would always just eat the whole candy bar, the cookie, or whatever, and they would never heed the warning of "you, you need to start out small because it's very powerful." So, for him to not even kind of grasp, like, "oh, I'll just warn him that it's really powerful," like, "they'll yeah, be," exactly, you know, it's like, "no, people don't listen to that."
0: <laughs> yeah, and most of the time everyone almost has an ego about them that's like, oh, well, I can handle a bunch. You know, like...
1: It's gonna have the opposite effect,
0: almost. <laughs> and in the morning, Gordon went and picked up that girl, that overdo from the hospital. And she was pissed. She's yelling and screaming and saying, who the hell called the cops? I was fine. I'm like, you weren't fine. <laughs> like, are you crazy? You weren't." And she was literally like, I was fine. You're stupid. I was like, you pissed yourself. You were fucking dead. And she's was I really? And I was like, yes. And she's like, oh. And she's like joking about it. She's like, Ha, oh, I guess that's the fifth time I overdo. Like she made a joke about it. And I was like, are you crazy? This isn't okay. And then I'm standing in the living room talking to my girlfriend. And I go into Gordon's room. And him and her and in there and they're shooting up. Again. And I'm like, you're a psychotic, dude. Like, I gotta go. <laughs> I can't deal with this, man. When are you, you're gonna die. And they're right back to it, you know. Right, right back. She gets out of the hospital and she's doing it again. And
1: she doesn't even have an appreciation for you saving her life. And she's already got a needle in her arm less than 24 hours later. Exactly. I- anyone that thinks that we're trying to glamorize drug use with this conversation, I hope they they hear that. The, oh no! Yeah, that's no glamour.
0: <laughs> that's the last thing I'd want to do is glamorize it. Trust me, it's not a, <laughs> it's not a good or fun path to go down. It. And I was always the person that was like, oh, if you just do drugs moderately, and it, it shouldn't even be like a thing. Like people are overblowing it. It's not that big of a deal. And I mean, you should be able to do whatever you want, but it's not all happy. <laughs> no, it's going to end badly, especially with hard things.
1: And I think you lucked out to get as far as you did without seeing these kind of incidences like you know sooner yeah
0: yeah exactly well i guess we'll go to the very ending here well it was my mom's birthday actually (laughs) mom's birthday (laughs) yeah it was my mom's birthday i woke up and i felt like crap i didn't have anything but i knew that hopefully a package was supposed to show up that day
1: you are both getting 10 grams again?
0: Yes. Okay. And the thing is, is we were going to buy 30, 15 each, but I forget what happened, but at the spur of the moment, we changed it. Call the post office when I wake up. At that point, I didn't have a P.O. box anymore. It was just going to my girlfriend's house, and I would wait for the mail to come and just grab it. I would call the post office, especially when I was really wanting and I was drawing and I would call them and say hey just hold the package I'll come pick it up. Normally they'll say yeah it's here come pick it up whenever you want it's on hold. This day they're like oh no the truck's not in yet and they've done that before you know I call a little earlier they're still unloading the truck they're like oh, call back in a half hour. So I waited a half hour and I knew that in an hour or two I had dinner with my mother at uh, a restaurant I had to go meet her my plan was I was going to go get this package. I was going to eat dinner with my mom, and then we were going to go out to an hour and a half drive to my friend's apartment, Gordon, because I owed him some. So I'm texting my girlfriend. I'm saying, yeah, they said about a half hour. And then I called them back at the post office, and they say, oh, yeah, um, we'll call you back. It's still not just ready yet. And I was like, oh, okay. And I gave him my phone number, and I'm sitting there waiting, and I'm texting my girlfriend. And then Josh texts me because it was half his. And then I get a call from the post office. She was about to leave. I'm about 10 minutes away. The post office calls me right before she leaves the house. And they're like, okay, yeah, your your package is here. It's on hold. Uh, you can Come in whenever you want. And I'm about to tell my girlfriend to come pick me up. So we can hurry up. Josh calls me. Did it come? Did it come? I'm like, yeah, dude, just hold on. I'll give it to you after dinner. My mom, it's her birthday. And, and at the time, my aunt was up. They're twins. They came up from Illinois and my grandma. For this dinner. And I'm like, I gotta, I can't be late. I got to go do this. You can get it after. He's like, no, man, I really need it. I'll, I'll just come get you. I don't want to do that, dude. He's like, it'll be fast. I'll just come get you. We'll get it, and then I'll drop you off. Mm-hmm. Whatever, dude, just hurry the hell up. We need to go. So I text my girlfriend and say, don't get me. And I thought this was sort of, I didn't think it was weird, but it was a little weird how it was going down, how he was acting. Josh comes, picks me up. We drive into town, and then we get to the post office. I go inside. Everything's normal. I'm walking down the stairs of the post office back to the truck. And at the time, Josh's girlfriend was in the front seat and he was driving. So I'm in the back passenger side. I get in and before he even pulls out of the parking lot, right when I get in, he's like, oh, open it up right now so we can, uh, I want mine or whatever. I'm like, dude, we don't even have anything. He's like, yeah, I got my scale. Dude, no, we'll do it when we get to my girlfriend's house and then I'll leave. Because he's never asked me. We're normally like, we don't want to open it. We don't want to drive with this in the first place. But at least it's in a package, maybe that's a little better, you know, than driving with you. Yeah. And I was like, that's weird. Why would you? I'm like, no. So I put the package on the floor next to me. We start driving. We go by two lights. And then we start turning left where this road goes. It's like in the middle of town. All of a sudden, he's like, oh, we're getting pulled over. And I, like, turn around. And I'm like, what the fuck? And it was all black car, like SUV, and I was like, that's not even like normal police, like they didn't have normal lights they had them under their window Mm -hmm. like, oh, I was freaking out, I was hoping that it was because of his driving, I was like just praying I was like, I hope this isn't about anything else, they come, the cop comes up to the window, and he wasn't wearing a uniform detective, and he's talking to Josh, I'm in the back passenger side when we first got pulled over, I threw my phone in this crack of the seat, because I didn't want that on me, because there's all the text messages Mm mm-hmm And the cop's talking to Josh, where'd you get your license plate? He's like, I just got it a few months ago. He's like, did you steal that license plate? He's like, it's coming up as a uh, small car. He's like, this obviously isn't a small car, is it? He's like, no, I just bought this. There's no way. He's like, who's in the car with you? And he's like, me, my girlfriend, and Brock. Right when he said my name, without me knowing, another detective rips open the door and... Grabs me and throws me onto the sidewalk, you know, (laughs) like ambushed me. Mm -hmm. And mind you, right when I got thrown out, all these cops came and like surrounded us. He picks me up, pushes me against the truck and starts reaching in my front pockets, saying, where's, what do you got in there? And he's, and I didn't have literally one thing in my pockets. There wasn't one thing, not even a quarter. And he's like, what's this? What's this? And I'm like, there's nothing in my pockets. I knew this detective too. Growing up in middle school, he was the school cop. You know, and he was that guy, and now he's a detective. And I never really liked him, but everybody knew him. And I'm like, there's nothing in my pockets, and he instantly takes me after handcuffs me, and he takes me away from truck. And I'm trying to look over there and see if Josh is like in handcuffs because I was like, this is weird. I think that he might have is involved with this. Set you up. He ends up putting me in the back of his uh, undercover car. Gets in asked me questions about, oh, what's in the package? And I'm like, what package? I just kept telling him, I was like, fuck off. <laughs> Every time he'd say that, I was like, fuck off. I, I didn't know what he had or what he knew or what was happening. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I shouldn't be telling you this, but he, he reaches over and he pulls open this file, this folder, and he opens it up and it's got a my like driver's license picture on it and whatever on it. He flips to the next page and he, he's got a picture of the package that I just picked up while I was in the post office still.
1: So he's got a whole dossier on you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, apparently. And he says, I was in that post office and I shouldn't be telling you this, but we were there and we told them to hold that package. We had a drug sniffing dog come and he hit on that package and I don't know what's in it, but you know, you need to tell me. And I was like a little, you know, shocked. My first thought was there's no way that a drug sniffing dog hit on that. I knew how they packaged it. Paul's so like, am I under arrest or what? And he's like, you're being detained right now. You and I was like, can I go? And he's like, no, you're being detained. And I was like, I have to be at dinner with my mom, dude. Like, I don't know what the fuck you want from me. But finally, the cop, the detective, his name's Officer Matson. First he says, are you going to tell me what's up now? Drags me out of the car and leads me to a squad car. And puts me in that. And uh, tells the cop to hold on a second. And then... They close the door and I'm sitting in there waiting. And then I guess they're waiting to put Josh in the other squad car. We finally go to the police station, which is like two blocks away. Both the squad cars pull up with me and Josh in it and his girlfriend, but she wasn't even handcuffed. They take me and Josh out. There's two different cops walking with us and we're walking into the door into the towards the police station. And it was the first time I was close to Josh and I was like, you better not fucking tell them anything. <laughs> And they're like, tell me to shut up, you know, don't talk. Bring us to these interrogation rooms. And they put me in one and then so and they, just, they
1: separated you guys into
0: separate interrogation yeah, rooms. We were separated throughout the whole thing. The only time I ever saw him or told was able to talk to him was when I told him not to say anything. So we're sitting in there forever and then finally the officer comes in, the detective that was the one that was it wasn't Matson that I knew. It was the one that was at first talking through the window when we first got pulled over. Oh, just so you know, there's a a gun under that seat that you're sitting under, too. Like, I didn't know. We had this, uh, Josh bought a Tech 9, and it wasn't registered or anything. It it had a broken firing pin. I didn't know that the gun was in the car, especially under my seat, in the back seat. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? That's what I I said when he said there's a gun there. And I was like, I don't know about that. I'm not really saying anything, and he's just going on and on about... Oh, I know that you this isn't yours, and you you really want to take the fall for whoever this is, like I'm sure that you were just going and picking this up and then gonna go bring it to whoever it is, you know, and if it's not too late for that to happen, we can do that if you want to do that, and then basically saying if it was someone else's that, I' go drop it off undercover, you know, and let them arrest him there it really wasn't anyone else that <laughs> so I couldn't do that even if I wanted to. He's like your buddy wouldn't let us search that truck of his, so uh, we gotta go wait for the search warrant. So I guess one of the uh, detectives had to go out to a judge's house, but the judge was out on the lake fishing, so they had to wait for the judge to get off of the lake so he could come sign this warrant. Finally comes back after about like I think it was like probably two three hours, and he pulls out a camera and he has a picture of uh, a package, and then he has a picture of the package ripped open. And he has a picture of the bags that were in there. I think there's like two of them. And uh, he's like, we haven't tested it exactly yet, but uh, pretty positive this heroin. And I'm pretty sure it's a lot of it. And I'm pretty sure you're fucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know what to even say. I. And then he uh, he pulled out my phone and said on the desk and I threw it in that crack and I didn't.
1: Yeah, you didn't want him to know it's your phone.
0: He's like, is this your phone? And I'm like, no. And because it was locked and the screen was shattered at the time. I, and kept telling me, he's like, if it's not too late, do that. If you know what's best for you and all this. I started to talk to him. I'm like, all right, well, uh, if I do what you want me to do and we go we go do what you want, you need to write a piece of paper that says exactly what I'm going to get. Because he's telling me, oh, you can go home tonight and all that. you Because know? mm. I, I tell him, I'm like, I always want to get the fuck out of here. And he's like, oh, we'll let you go home tonight, making all these promises. I'm like, okay, well, then write all that down on a piece of paper. He's like, oh, I can't do that. I just... The only thing I can do, you just have to take my word for it. <laughs> I'm like, fuck oh, off! What, what? That doesn't. That's not real. You're not gonna do anything for me. Yeah. And even if you do, he's like, that's just how it works for everyone. I just the best I can do is give uh, a recommendation to uh, the judge or the prosecutor or whatever, and say that you were you were nice and cooperative. That goes far away. At that point, I was like, fuck off! And he kept leaving the room every once in a while, and you could tell he was. He would open the door. And he was trying to mess with me, but he was like so corny at it, like he saw it in a movie or something. He would open the door, and since Josh was in the interrogation room right next to me down the hall, and I knew that, he would open the door and start to walk in and then turn his head because there was a cop out there guarding the room. And he would be like, Oh, he's ready to talk? Okay. And then he'd come in my room, but like say it so he wouldn't think I could hear it, you know? But I think he was just doing that to make me think that, you know, Josh was telling on me so that I would tell. I could tell what he was doing. And he grabs my phone. And he's like, so I know this is your phone. Do you want any numbers off of this before uh, we're going to take you up to jail? Because I told him, I was like, just take me up to jail. I'm sick of sitting here. And I want these handcuffs off. And he's like, all right, do you want any numbers off your phone? know who to call. Because I didn't know anyone's number. Yeah. He, I don't say anything. And he can't, puts his hand out with the phone in it to like hand it to me. And I go to grab it. And he just holds on to it really tight and doesn't let me grab it. And he's like, no, enter the password right here while it's in my hand. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" Because he wanted to see it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" He's like, "Yeah, that's how it's gonna be." And he's like, "All right, I guess you're not gonna have anyone to call." <laughs> and then he just brought he brought me up to the jail, put me in a cell, and it was by that time it was nighttime, and no one knew where I was because I was on the way to my girlfriend's house, and my mom and everyone was waiting for me at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. So no one knew where I was, and everyone, my family's freaking out, especially my mom. She's calling the hospitals and stuff. I guess. <laughs> And she finally found out that I was in jail, but they wouldn't tell her anything. So they put me in a cell. Finally, the detective finally comes back and it's like 930, 10 o'clock and detective comes back and takes him out. Yeah, the results came back and it's positive for heroin. And it's like he told me the exact weight of it. Mm-hmm. And at that point, he wasn't really being a dick. And uh, I was like, can I please call somebody like that phone in there? So he ended up saying yeah and he he led me to where this the main desk where they check people in at and uh, he actually sat there and let me use that phone and I was like oh it's actually really cool of him and I called my dad and he didn't even know what I was really doing like he was suspected that I was up to something you know to that extent yeah especially heroin and uh, I talked to him and that was terrible I mean (laughs) Explain that to him, and I'm sitting there with this with this detective, and I'm trying not to cry. You know, I'm like starting to withdraw, and everything's just broken down. You know, that was probably rock bottom. I'd say since you said that earlier, that yeah, was probably I mean, th- that was probably the rock bottom.
1: I mean, you're you're going through withdrawal. You've been busted with a hell of a lot of heroin, and now you have to tell your father who had no idea.
0: Yeah. And I was like, please just tell mom that I'm here and that nothing happened to me. Like, I'm not dead, you know, because everyone was freaking out. And and he wasn't mad or anything. He was, just like, really worried, you know. And I was like, I have court in the morning, I think, be here. He's like, yeah. So I go in there, back to the cell. I couldn't sleep a wink. I was up all night. And I was getting really bad, the withdrawals, and I just wanted to get out so bad to go get high. In the morning, they brought me into, me and a bunch of other guys that had court that morning, they brought me in there, and for the judge to decide if what my bail was going to be or if I was just going to get ror It's finally my turn, and when we get walked in there, you know, you're all shackled and handcuffed, and uh, I walk in there, and I see my dad and my mom and uh, my girlfriend and my mom's just crying, trying to be quiet. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, I look like shit. And I'm in this <laughs> red, orange jumpsuit, handcuff, you know? It's like and, the
1: worst moment of your life.
0: Yeah. And my mom just crying. I can see her. And I'm like, oh, this is just horrible. And finally, the judge, you know, and finally, it's my turn. And you were only charged with second degree possession. Yeah, because it was like 20 grams altogether. Mm-hmm. But it would have been first degree if it was 21 or over. And as I told you before, we were about to buy 30. (laughs) So thank God that didn't happen,
1: but stayed under the the threshold.
0: Yeah. But so I didn't know what that even meant, like what sentence that meant or what was going to happen. And I was praying. I was like, I hope they just ROR me, let me out, you know, with condition. And she's like, yeah, your bail is set at, uh, Twenty-five thousand dollars without conditions and fifty thousand dollars with conditions. I mean, uh, opposite way. So twenty
1: twenty-five with conditions or fifty without conditions? Yes,
0: yeah. At that point, I just like devastated. You know, I was like, I don't, we don't have that kind of money on hand. I sat back down, and then they're going to do the next person before we were going to get brought back to jail. And I, I look over at the, uh, the people sitting there. My dad's there. He like looks at me and like points towards the door, like, do you want to leave, you know? Put my hands up, and I was like shaking my head like, please, you know? But I couldn't talk to him if I didn't know what was going to happen, so we finally go back to the jail. I use the phone in there, and there's this little list on the side that has uh, some bail bondsmen, and I go through this list, and I just look at one name, and I just pick it randomly. I call it. The dude answers. I I tell him, hey, man, can you you bail me out? Like, I don't know how to get a hold of my family. I can give you their number. Like, I don't know what's happening. Can you at least talk to them and see if they'll bail me out? I think they might. And uh, he's like, is your name Brock? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, I just talked to your dad. I'm on my way to the court. What? (laughs) Like, I randomly called the same guy. The guy ended up, he was just leaving for a fishing trip. And he was like 10 minutes out of town. He he turned around to come back for us. I was like, thank God." God because there was no one else around at that time. Like, since you got the bail bondsman there, it's technically only $2,500, but I had condition. I walked out after I signed all this stuff, and my family was sitting down there from Illinois, my grandma, my aunt, my mom, and my dad, my girlfriend, and they're all sitting there. I'm like, oh, this is so bad. And I was just instantly like, just trying to go, like I want to get out of here and go do drugs so I can feel better. And uh, I see them all. But before we had to go walk over to right across the street to this probation office and i had to sign up for this thing called the color wheel when we're walking over there after i said hi to everyone so broken down and i'm starting to get so sick like it's getting really bad and like i tur- i my dad said something or i was trying to whisper my girlfriend saying hey do you still have my shit is my shit still cuz i had a few pills i'm like do you still have those and she's like shakes her head no what and he's like my dad's like i threw a bunch of shit out from your room i i i broke down i started crying <laughs> and i was like are you kidding me he's like i thought the police were about to come to the house i'm surprised they didn't i thought they were gonna be here you know and i didn't want to have all this stuff you know i had a scale there and a bunch of paraphernalia my girlfriend and him threw it away for your own good right <laughs> yeah yeah for my own good obviously yeah. but i didn't eat at that time you know yeah. i was He's like, you can't be, you got to stop, you know. I was crying, and I've never even talked to him about things like this. And I was like, I can't do this. Like, I, there's no way. He was great. He, uh, I moved back home with him uh, for full time. He was helping me get through all the withdrawals and stuff, but I had to sign up for this thing called the color wheel. Every morning, you have to call before 8 a.m., between 4 and 8. It's automated machine says... Today's color is, and then it'll say, like, yellow or white, Or and my color was yellow. And if it's yellow, you have to go in and take a drug test, you know?
1: So random, yeah.
0: It was about, like, three days or so after I was bailed out. I was, like, shitting myself pretty much, you know, constantly in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Trying not to throw up. I couldn't eat anything. I couldn't sleep. It was just terrible, and I, I was trying to not do anything. And My girlfriend at the time wasn't even coming over. I was trying. I was hoping that she was going to stop. She said she was. She wanted to. I didn't even bring it up. She did. So I was like, "Thank God."
1: Yeah. You, if you're going to quit, you you all have to quit.
0: Yeah. Exactly. She wasn't coming around, and I was like all freaking out. But I was like trying to worry about myself, you know. four three f- three four days later, I call and my my color came up. And I felt so so shitty, and I was like, "Dad, we have to go in," you know. And I didn't want to, but obviously I had to. I finally go back and I take the drug test and there's this guy back there and he was not a very nice person. <laughs> and I took the drug test and finally, and he's staring the, he's standing there staring at my dick the whole time. So It was really hard for me to do it. So I finally do it. And he was looking at it for a while. Finally, he's like, yeah, you're dirty. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't, I didn't know I was going to be still, but I mean, I didn't think I wouldn't be, you know, whatever. And he's like, hold on a second. He goes, I got to go make a call. And he comes back. There's no way you did drugs when you, he's like, you did drugs after, you, uh, talk to me, didn't you? And I'm like, no, I didn't. I haven't done anything. You can talk to my dad. Like I haven't even left the house. Cause I hadn't. He called me a liar basically. And he's like, it's impossible. It should have been out of your system by now. And he had the cops come and they arrested me. And can you please go get my dad and bring him back here so I can talk to him. And, tell him what's going on. Like he's waiting for me. He's like, no, I can't do that because then it's two against one. And you guys could overpower me. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> this right. is what this is. We're going to, what are we going to overpower you and try to escape? So the cops come, they handcuff me and then my dad can come back and I couldn't hug him or anything. And I was like, him He knew what was going on then. And I was like, I really didn't do anything. And he's like, I know you didn't, I was home with you. They brought me back to jail and then they sent the results out to a lab. And I'm sitting in jail for about a week waiting for the results to come back. And then they come back and they're like, oh, yeah, you're fine. You can go.
1: Okay, so you just sat in jail for a week and then the test results come back and they just release you.
0: Yeah. and But the thing is, they never did a baseline on me when I got arrested. I think I could get arrested for it. Baseline is what you
1: currently are at as opposed to the... I don't, I don't know depreciation or the you know the the level that it, as it goes out of your body,
0: yeah, so then if you're ever above that or not good enough below it you they'll know you, you they finally called me out of the cell and then made me take another urine test and then I passed it that was technically i guess my new now they're like hundred percent sure you know thing that I glossed by but which was really terrible is when I got rearrested for that week i I bought a phone card in there. My girlfriend pretty much just never answered any of the calls, and I was freaking out because I didn't want her going and doing drugs, you know. I was hoping that she wasn't. And then I pretty much get out, and she... Yeah, I don't want to... I'm not... She basically was blowing me off and saying she didn't want to be with me, and and I knew she was using again. I get out of jail, and then she leaves me, and then I'm withdrawing, and, you know, it was, like, all at once. Just a massive, a terrible thing. I lost her after... I don't know. It was just really a negative time in my life. But I was like so upset because I just, we just paid you guys the money and then you arrest me under bullshit, you know, for a week for nothing. At that point, you, you, you got to realize, you know, you don't really have control over what's going to happen from now on. You just have to do what you're supposed to do. That's about all you can do.
1: And even if you're doing everything right, you can still be arrested
0: yeah Uh, 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 that's what i that's what i took from that and since i was on conditions i was on that color wheel for a long time and uh we were gonna get a public defender because we didn't have much money at the time and me and my dad were like this is we knew it was a bad idea you know you never want to you always want to get a lawyer if you can and the night before court the first court date my girlfriend's best friend Her dad was this lawyer in the cities, which is about three and a half hours away and down in Minneapolis. We called that number the night before at like 7 p.m. He's like, yeah, I'll be there in the morning at like, it was like 7 a.m. trial, you know, in the morning. And he took it and he gave us a deal. He didn't charge us a crazy amount. Came all the way down, took that drive to come over and help me. He ended up saving my ass pretty good. So
1: you're free, but under supervised
0: under those conditions i didn't have a probation officer or anything like that but i was on that color wheel where i have to call every day Mm -hmm. finally it was about the trial date Months later we go to it and i was pretty much guaranteeing you know expecting to go to jail i thought that was gonna for sure happen because you go and do right before you go to your your actual sentence thing uh, a pre-sentence and a lady in my case a woman analyzes you and then gives her recommendation to the judge of what should happen. So that's basically what they go off. And I was talking to her, and she basically said, after about an hour, I'm under, I'm recommending you that you go to a prison. Like, that's my recommendation. That's what I'm telling you is going to happen. I'm like, are you kidding me why? I've done everything right. I'm working now. You know, I, I haven't done drugs. And she was like, she just flat out was, you shouldn't be getting off this easy. Like, okay. So then after that, I was like, no, I'm for sure not going to be good. Finally, right before the sentencing, I met with my lawyer and he got a plea deal where they bargained down to technically it's third degree possession, a state of adjudication where I have five years of probation. And if I get a misdemeanor in any of those five years, I have to go to prison. But if I complete all that, then I can... After the five years I can like apply or appeal to have it taken off my record so I don't have a felony. So it ended up turning out very well as long as I never mess up. No jail time, no no prison. Yeah, they gave me the uh the time served because I was there for, you know, a week and a half or whatever it was. They gave me the time served for that and then the five years. And then I have two hundred and forty hours of community service and I need to have a full time job. But so right now I'm just doing the community service, working. I see my probation officer once a month. I just can't mess up for five years. How many years do you have left? Um, A whole year went by before I was actually on probation. probation I was still under those conditions, but none of that counted. So I almost have a year, like at the end of this month, a full year. A year left? No, a year done.
1: Oh, so four years left. Wow. Yeah, uh, On one side, you know, a lot of people probably don't have sympathy for you.
0: A lot of people wouldn't have sympathy because they'll say, oh, you were just, you just, you know, you almost deserved it because of what you were doing.
1: Yeah.
0: And yes, I did deserve it for what I'm doing. If that's how you're going to look at it, I broke the law. But at the time, or I don't even know about now, I didn't see myself as some big drug dealer criminal. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was a means, and everyone around me, it was a means to support it, a habit. Yeah. And everybody around me it got worse and worse those people do things like sell pills and stuff just for profit and the cops treat it like it's uh they're taking down some drug dealer kingpin you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i didn't and, and i don't think that that helps people a lot either i think that they need help and treatment and things like that they don't necessarily yeah. need to ruin the rest of their lives with a felony